One of my very favorite ways to decorate my home is curating design elements that have have a storied feel to them that aren't just sitting on the shelf at Target or Home Goods. They look like they've been around for ages because they have been around for ages. So, where do you get those pieces? That's what we're talking about in today's Know Before You Go. This list is a long one. I have nine points for you to consider as you curate a home that is as unique to you, as storied to you, as it can be, which means it is not a grab-and-go home decorating. It is not a bed-in-a-bag decorating. It is not a shop, the winter collection at Target decorating. So you definitely want a notebook, a pen, and get cozy. Enjoy today's show. How many times have you found yourself at your favorite home decor store, browsing aimlessly for an item to spruce up your space, just to bring it home and then not quite like it, or find that your effort didn't pay off the way that you imagined? That rug you bought? Too big, too small, or too brown? And the curtains? We don't need to go there. Or maybe we do, in this new Tuesday quick tip series, Know Before You Go, brought to you by all the mistakes I've made before, <laughs> and thankfully have learned from. Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating Goodwill shopping budget. And I've learned a few things along the way and definitely made a few mistakes. But I am so excited that you're here learning how you can know before you go. So put down your credit card, grab a notebook and a pen, because you're definitely going to want to take notes. All right, friends, are you curious what the secret is to creating a home that looks curated over time and not like you just went to Target and have the exact same things as your friends down the street or your sister across town or your mom in another state? Are you ready? Okay, here it is. Well, there are lots of secrets, (laughs) but one of them is to go secondhand shopping. Okay, I know, I know I have lost about half of you right there, but hear me out. There are some really great reasons why you might want to do that. One of them, of course, is because you create a curated look. You create a look that doesn't look like you just went to Target, dropped a fistful of cash over the new, brand new spring collection of Studio McGee. You didn't do that. When you create your home's landscape over the course of time, it looks like you have lived there for a bit. You've you've maybe picked up pieces here and there over trips and travels and years, and that is how you can create a look that feels storied that feels like you are representing your family over the course of history and time rather than just getting the thing that the Joneses have, the, the next best thing. But how do you do that? And some of you are already thinking, oh my gosh, don't make me go to a thrift store. You don't have to go to the thrift store. You There are ways you can curate your home secondhand that aren't stepping foot into one thrift store. Now, I happen to love it. I love it. I didn't when I was little, but I love it now because it is a treasure hunt. And if you're okay with treasure hunting, if you're okay with not finding the exact thing you need, this could be for you. So how can you go secondhand shopping if you don't go into a thrift store? Okay. Facebook Marketplace. How many of you have ever ever purchased anything through Facebook Marketplace? That is secondhand shopping. Consignment stores. Hand-me-downs from a neighbor. The buy-nothing groups. Craigslist. 
antique shops. All of those are akin to thrift shopping. Online versions of those, Etsy, eBay, One King's Lane. Those are all examples of ways that you can go secondhand shopping without needing to go into thrift stores. And the search can be a little bit easier. I mean, think about the online version. You know kind of vaguely what you're looking for. Maybe you're looking for stemware. Type it in in the Etsy Etsy search bar, and voila, you have some searches that are allowing you to search that and not the random clothes that are secondhand hanging on the racks. But how do you do it and how do you do it well if you are going in person? That's what we're talking about today. And I have to tell you, some of my very favorite finds in my own home are secondhand. They have had a story before they've ever come to live with me, and it just makes it all the more special. But the trick to thrift shopping, or secondhand shopping, I'll say, is being really intentional about it, and being as intentional as you can so that you don't end up with a home full of, for lack of better words, junk. So get out that notebook. If you don't have it already, get out that pen and let's dive in. The first thing that you need to be aware of is what your design style is, what your own unique design aesthetic is. And we talk a lot about that in Home Design 101. We spend two weeks focusing on how you can identify your unique design style and how it is so more nuanced than nautical farmhouse, industrial. It is so more personalized. And if you don't know that, when you walk into a thrift store, when you go shopping on Etsy, when you go shopping on eBay, or wherever you are doing your secondhand shopping, you might be overwhelmed. In fact, you don't even have to be in a secondhand store. If you go into any home decor store, if you are overwhelmed when you go in, it is likely because you don't know your unique design style. And when you don't know your unique design style, it makes choosing anything incredibly frustrating, overwhelming. It makes it so that you waste money because you buy it, bring it home, and you're not happy with it. You buy it, try it out, and you think, why does this not work? You maybe don't buy it because you're so overwhelmed by the choices that you can't get out of that paralysis in order to make a move. So understanding your unique design style is critical in any phase of decorating your home in a way that is cohesive and cozy and that ultimately tells your family story. So how do you learn that? Well, we're not diving into that today, but you learn that through Home Design 101. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so that you have access to that. And there are still a few spots available. So if you have not claimed your spot in the winter session of Home Design 101, do that before registration closes. All right, the second thing that you need to do in order to make thrift shopping efficient and work for you is to make a list. Yeah, to make a list and make sure you have measurements. Now, here's this goes with number three, just a little bit. Because when you're making a list when you go thrift shopping, it is very different than when you go to Home Goods. It just is. I know I might be looking for books and I walk away with a piece of art. You never know what you're going to get. And that is the beauty of it. That's why I like it so much. It, it fits my personality because I am preparing to be surprised (laughs) and I love it, but you want to have a generalized list. So for example, if you know that you might need, and we're going to go big here, you might need a credenza for your dining room. 
that's a big ticket item, honestly. And you could spend thousands going just straight away to Crate and Barrel, to Restoration Hardware, to Room and Board, to Pottery Barn. You could. Or you could have it on a list and you keep that list in your phone. You know the measurements. You've written it down. You know that you want a credenza that is going to be about 76 inches long or so. It could be probably, we'll say 65 to 80, and it would look beautifully in your dining room. You have that on your list and you keep it there and you keep that list safe and then you go, but you go knowing that you might not find it. And that's what number three is. It is managing your expectations. You know, you have this idea of what it is you're looking for, what it is you're hoping to find, but you know, you might not find it on this trip. You might not find it on the next trip. You might not find it this month or in three months. That is how shopping thrift. I keep saying thrift stores. I want to say secondhand. That's what I really want to say. Shopping secondhand. That is how that goes. Knowing that it is not an instant gratification game. In fact, you need to manage those expectations because you might go in, you might do the rounds, you might follow all of these tips, and then you might walk away with an empty hand. And that's okay. Because the more in tune you are with your own design aesthetic, the more you can do that. And the more you can do that actually in Target or in Home Goods, because you might not see what it is you're hoping for. You might not. You are able to go in, you're able to shop efficiently, and you're able to not bless and release it because that implies that you've already owned it, but you're able to look at it, appreciate it for what it is, and then say, you know what, you're not going to quite cut the snuff here. You're not quite the right piece for my space that I'm looking for. And I'm going to be patient enough to find the space that is not an impulse buy, but is a contributing player to my overall home style. One of the things that has been on my list for quite a while is a specific piece of stemware. These I inherited from my grandmother, and I have three. I would love four. And bonus, I would love six or eight, but I have three. So I know for me that specifically is on my list. It is there. Every time I go in, I just browse quickly just to see, is it there? Nope, it's not. My my expectations are managed. I'm not expecting that I'm going to go in and find it. In fact, it's been on my list for at least two years and I still haven't found it. Now, this is a little bit different than if I have a gaping hole on my wall that needs to be filled with art. I might go in with the idea of wanting a specific piece. Maybe it is a, maybe on my list is an oil painting of a natural landscape and I want it to be kind of big. Okay, if I'm managing my expectations I might be surprised. I might not find exactly what I'm looking for, but I might be surprised when I find three pieces that could kind of take up the same size and spacing and scale as what I was hoping for, but it would be three pieces rather than one. So managing your expectations and knowing that you might not get exactly what it is you're hoping for is a good thing. And that's where you can walk away with some pieces that are really unique and special to you and different enough from everyone else's home who is shopping at Target, which by the way, I love myself some Target. So I'm not, I'm not knocking Target or saying don't shop there. I think there is a definite way that you can have the secondhand storied, a little bit older pieces mixed with new. And if that new is Target, if that new is Pottery Barn, you can do it beautifully. The fourth thing that you need to know when you're shopping secondhand is to go often. 
if you ever pop into a thrift store and you think, gosh, there's never anything here. Yeah, you probably need to go a couple more times because the inventory changes so quickly, daily even. Making a stop on a regular basis, whatever regular means to you, if it is once every two months, once a month, once a week, whatever that means to you, make it often. Now, if you are going often, the more in tune with your design aesthetic you are, your design style you are, the quicker you can be while you're in there. So you don't feel like you need to carve out two hours in order to take a gander at at what is happening here. How do you do that? You go in and you're so overwhelmed. There's so much to look at. There's You see the clothing section, the shoe section, the art, the furniture. How do you know? Just like you would in a grocery store if you were trying to stay on that diet or you're trying to keep track, they tell you to shop the perimeter. The same thing is at a thrift store, at a secondhand store. I can't say the same for an antique store, but definitely thrift stores shop the perimeter. And the reason is, if you think about it, if I walk in, I might see the outside edge lined with books and then I go into the furniture but before I go into the furniture I see some framed art and some lamps and then I'm walking all the way around the edge and around the edge is where I'm finding some of the glassware some of the place settings and if that layout is not necessarily specific to your thrift store if you go often enough you will understand what it is that you need to avoid where it is that those pitfalls are that you need to just walk right past so you can be more efficient. Hey friend, it wasn't long ago that I was in the same place you're in now, spending hours on Pinterest pinning images of beautiful homes that I only dreamed about living in, believing that the barriers to making my home a home that I love were limited finances and a lack of skill for making the changes myself. I remember almost the exact moment I unlocked what felt like the key to great home design, and I couldn't wait to share what it took me years to learn. You deserve to live in a home that feels like a respite from the world outside, to have a home that you're delighted to invite your friends over to, and to feel confident making design decisions that reflect your style, not everyone else's. So if you're ready to get started creating a home that you've only dreamed about, I'm ready to help guide you on that journey. Home Design 101 is open for registration, but doors shut soon. You can reserve your spot at figandfarmathome.com forward slash registration. See you in class. The sixth thing that will be helpful in your secondhand journey is to understand what your comparables are. I know that if I can go to Target and I can buy a lamp for $25, if if the thrift store price is $22, I'm not going to do that. It wouldn't make sense to me. I wouldn't save any money that way. And it is already used. So I would probably just pay the extra $3, go to Target, buy the new thing. But if you know what your comparables are, you will know if you will be overspending or saving money. The seventh thing that will help you be successful is to know what your non-negotiables are. Your non-starters, your hard stops. What are they? For me, it is dusty baskets, broken items, things that I know that I don't have time to fix or can't fix. What are they for you? What are the things that you know that you should not say yes to, that you should say, even though this is the coolest little piece, I am not bringing it home? Is it a chip in a plate? Is it a crack in a cup? Is it a 
hinge that is broken? Is it the dust that's woven into the weaves of a basket? What is it for you that you know that even though it is staring you at the face and you think, oh my gosh, this is the cutest little thing. And oh, I've been looking for something just like this, but it's not quite perfect. How not quite perfect is it for you to say no? What is that for you? Know your limit. And that is unique to you as mine is to me. So I can't tell you what your no is, but you should have an idea of what it is going to be before you go. Another hard no for me are the smells, which leads me to number eight. Check the smells, check the upholstery. It is absolutely okay for you to bend down and smell a chair if you are trying to look for a chair. It is absolutely okay for you to open a drawer and smell a drawer, but you're also looking for broken pieces. So you're looking underneath, taking out drawers, you're making sure things work, they can slide, they can shut, they can latch. Check it and check it twice so that you're not taking something home and then realizing, oh goodness, this is broken beyond repair or this is broken beyond my ability to repair it. I was at a secondhand store about a couple years ago and I found this beautiful mid-century dresser and it did look like it was in a little bit of rough shape. I didn't check it well enough. I purchased it. And as I was loading it into the car, we were loading it into the car, I realized, oh, hold on a second. This bottom is broken and it's broken in a way that I can't quite repair. I repair a lot of things in my line of work. I'm happy to do it if I can. But this one, this one was going to require a little bit more, a little bit more than I had the skill set for, a little bit more than I wanted to ask my husband to help me with. This one went right back to the return aisle. I didn't even get it all the way in my car before I said, hold on, stop, I'm gonna take this thing back. And knowing that, but checking it in the store before you get to that point of inconvenience is going to be helpful for you. The ninth thing to do as you are shopping in thrift stores is to have a plan to know what it is that you are planning to do with it if it does need the repair, if it does need to be reupholstered, if it does need to be painted or sanded down and restained, if it does need to be just washed, that's certainly a lot easier than needing to do a little bit of work to it. What is your plan for that? Is your plan to have it sit in the garage and collect dust for a year and then put it back in your car to donate it again? If that is your plan, don't buy it. But if your plan is to tackle that challenge, refinish it in the next week or two, go for it. Take the risk. Take the $35 risk. Do it. But if you're not entirely sure you have time for it, you have the skill set for it, you have someone you can ask to help you learn the skill set for it, if you are not entirely sure, it's probably best to be left for someone who does have that time or that skill set. Understanding your own limitations is a good thing. But if it's something that you can turn over, prepare, whatever that term is, whatever you need to do in order to get it into the place of your home that you want it to be serving you in, as long as you have the time, do it. Go for it. And the 10th thing, my extra bonus, is to be prepared to be surprised. I led with that at the beginning. I said, I love thrift shopping because I'm always surprised. I am constantly surprised at what it is I find. And then a little disappointed at what it is I don't find, but only in the times when I walk away empty-handed. If I'm walking in, there there are times when I have found beautiful 
pieces of furniture. I have found really fun pieces of art. I have found really neat, interesting lamps. I have found some really incredible place settings. I've been really surprised by the things that I, that people have said they are done with in their own home. They're they're ready for a new something new in their own space, which means goodness for the rest of us. Because just because it's sitting in a secondhand store, an antique shop, a thrift store, on Facebook Marketplace, on Etsy, wherever it is you find it secondhand, doesn't mean that that, that piece's journey or story or life is over. It means that it's ready for someone new, something new. And the beauty behind it is that it has already lived its first life, maybe a second life, maybe a third life, and it is going to breathe new life into your home when you bring it in. Just by being in a new space, it is going to look new, but it's going to feel curated because it has a storied past. And you might not ever know the story behind it, but that's okay. It may possibly be more interesting than I found it after it was mass produced on the shelves of Target. (laughs) All right, friends, are you curious to know what is always on my list? I do have a list. I'm so in tune with my own design aesthetic that it takes me minutes to go through a thrift store. And of course, I am curating this for my shop. I am using this as a way to curate items that tell a story in my own home. So I've been at this for a while, but here are my top six or so. I'm always on the lookout for brass. I love myself a really fun brass figurine, a brass bookend, they can always be polished. So much fun. I'm looking for baskets and you've already heard my hard stop. I do not take home anything that looks like it needs to be deep cleaned, anything that has maybe held um, faux plants for a really long time. You're probably getting the picture of that. I'm looking for stemware and interesting seasonal place settings, interesting seasonal little Um, cups or serving ware. I'm looking for caned furniture. If it, if the caning is not ripped or broken, I love bringing that home. I can always paint it, always refinish it, but that caning is so pretty. I look for mid-century furniture. Love it. Those are the lines that speak to me, that tell my story with my style. I love it. And I'm always looking for vintage books. So what is on your list? I want to hear about it. Pop on over to our Facebook group. And if you haven't joined us there yet, come on in and join us. You can find the link in my show notes, but come on in and tell me what are the things that are always on your list when you go secondhand shopping. And if you want to know how it is that you can learn to be not overwhelmed, you can break free from that frustration of making a design decision. If you're ready to learn, I'm ready to teach you. You can register for the winter session of Home Design 101. There's a spot waiting for you. I hope it's yours. Until next time, friends, I'll see you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.